You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks supporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Good. It's weird having to, uh, us having to kill time between podcasts like this. It, <laughs> I think, is this the longest gap we've had? I think this might be the longest gap we've had since uh, the season started. I don't think we've when we were looking at the records, I think we saw that they have not played a game with more than, I think, two days rest since yep. the opener. So, um, yes, a the, the Bucks had a long time to think about uh, the loss on Saturday. And uh, I guess as uh, team analytics guy Thon Maker pointed out, maybe that's not a good thing, <laughs> given they've generally been at their best with less rest. But, um, you know, again, I think one of the common narratives I'm sure we'll mention uh, or, or maybe we don't even need to mention will be like, Oh, they're going to come out that hopefully they come out motivated because they're going to be itching mm-hmm. to, to, you know, get back in the, in the right direction. And I mean, you know, again, knock on wood, this team has not lost more than one game in a row at any point this season yet. So um, certainly based on that short history of this season, uh, you would think hopefully they, they do come out against the Pistons and, get a good result but um we'll talk about that we'll talk about a little bit more of the uh, i guess some of the i don't know if, if fallout is the right word but uh some of the some of the spice as we talked about yesterday some sure. of the, the additional spice we saw in the uh in the next game that we didn't get to yeah we'll uh we'll talk a little bit about that pistons game and the bad news for the bucks is it's going to be two heavily motivated teams because the pistons lost 110 83 to the oklahoma city thunder yesterday um so it's two motivated teams coming in. Both have enough rest, but highly motivated and rested. Wow, what a game that will be because that has never happened before in the NBA. Um, but we'll talk about the Pistons here in a little bit. Uh, some of the stuff you're talking about, um, yeah, this is the first time we've seen them really have a long break. And, um, you know, thinking about this a little bit, we're going to talk some about Nick's fallout, but uh, one of the things that obviously I talked about a lot on the podcast yesterday was, you know, the Chris Middleton stuff and Chris Middleton getting benched and then uh, Bud taking a little bit of a, uh, you know, like kind of taking like a deep look into some of the stuff behind it uh, yesterday. So if you missed yesterday's podcast, I talked about that and it's up at the athletic Wisconsin. Uh, If you subscribe to my work over there, you can read that article. But, you know, I thought there was a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, And then I thought the other interesting thing was uh, the longest practice that we've seen thus far uh, was pretty easily Monday. Uh, today was a little bit shorter and more in the vein of uh, typical Mike Budenholzer practices. But, uh, you know, maybe he he was listening to Thon and, and knew that his team needed to to not rest and to get some more work in. And uh, they really hit it hard on Monday. But uh, I think that you're going to 
I'm, I am really interested to see if they do a lot to try to take away more threes and how many threes that they've been given up because uh, they've been among the league leaders and given up threes. And we've talked about how, you know, they've done a pretty good job controlling for wide open threes, a pretty good job for controlling uh, for like corner threes. And they've, they've done pretty okay in those things, but still giving up a ton of threes. So we'll see if there's a difference there, but the one thing that you wanted uh, to talk about a little bit with the Knicks game, and it's kind of funny just how the one, how we work and then how the news cycle works. Um, it, it was something that people ended up talking about still today because Frank Isola over at the athletic uh, wrote about, you know, Giannis is above saying he's going to punch Mario Hazonia in the nuts. Like he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be doing that. Like he, he doesn't, he should do it on the floor. And, uh, you know, in my mind, I, I tweeted out the link and said pretty much immediately, like, I disagree with Frank on this because if you want him to do it on the floor, well, he did it because like, four possessions later, he, he, just weaved through the the Knicks defense, threw it down, flexed on the entire Garden crowd. Um, David Fisdale called a timeout uh, as he was flexing. Noah Vonley ran into him. He gave him a nice little bump, and then he started looking right at Mario Hazonia. And well, um, Mario Hazonia wasn't looking for any smoke anymore. Um, he he was looking for it when he stepped over Giannis, but. Once Giannis weaved through and Hazonia made his business decision and Giannis started staring him down, uh, he kind of turned his back to all that. Uh, certainly didn't look back, just kept his eyes laser focused on that bench that he was walking to uh, and <laughs> didn't really do anything more. Uh, he just sat down and realized, oh, God, what have I done? He he scored two points in the game, just that dunk. That's it. Um, so I, I don't know. Wh- what are you thinking about all of that and, you know, kind of what Giannis said and what Giannis did? And, um, you know, I think this is uh, certainly the time and place that we legislate what players should and shouldn't be doing on the floor and uh, talk about all of that and whether or not they should flip their bat or celebrate a touchdown or whatever. So uh, let's get into it. I mean, as soon as it happened, I was annoyed because it, I just assumed that everything about it would become too big of a deal. Um, and uh, like on the FS Wisconsin broadcast, you know, Steve Novak was essentially immediately kind of warning uh, uh, Mario Hizoni of, you know, the bear that he had poked. Um, and I don't know, like it, it's, it's kind of one of these things that I... It's funny to think, like, if Iverson never steps over to Ron Lou in whatever that was, the 01 finals, I guess, um, like, is is the idea of the step over, like, even, like, really a, a thing that people care about or, or that becomes this big phenomenon? I, I don't know. Um, I guess maybe not. Um, I mean, I, I, I think that obviously carries extra context in the basketball world just because of you know the whole iverson mystique thing of of stepping over tron lu um but yeah i mean it was like you know one of those plays it's like you know Giannis. first off you know Giannis trying to get a chase down block and then pretty violently collided with sonia like i mean i yeah I think if that had been on a Bucks player, a lot of people would have, you know, from, from our side would have been complaining that there wasn't a foul called. Um, and, um, you know, that's just the way Giannis plays. It's, 
you know, I, if you if you have to try to chase a guy down, then it's not like you know a a facial or you know you didn't dunk on Giannis, you know. So sure. first off, I was like already kind of like preemptively annoyed because people were going to act like Hazonia <laughs> dunked on Giannis, and it's like no, it's just Giannis couldn't pull off like a crazy chase down block, and you know he happened to fall down or whatever. Um, so I was already sort of just annoyed that I knew it was going to get a social media thing, and then obviously Hazonia. And I kind of get like Hazonia being annoyed because he got kind of like hit and there wasn't a foul call. Um, and he probably didn't even really see Giannis. So, um, you know, whatever. And Hazonia is a cocky bastard. So, you know, I, I <laughs> whatever, like him doing that little step over thing, you know, not shocking to me. Um, I'm, I'm glad in the moment Giannis like didn't, you know, punch, punch him, him in the nuts. nuts. There's <laughs> <laughs> something that could get him suspended. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was kind of interesting after the guy. I, I kind of wonder, like, something tells me if the Bucks don't lose that game that Giannis doesn't say kind of what he said, that I'm guessing, you know, I mean, we saw it, like his reaction to the officials after the final um, play in overtime, um, which I, you know, I don't think it was a foul. I think, I mean, he was basically had no angle and Cantor was just sort of standing with his arms up. So I, I didn't, I didn't think it was a foul on, on Cantor at the end of the game. I think, you know, Giannis boiling over and, um, I think it was uh, referee Jason Phillips. I think is the guy that he was kind of going at. Um, I, I don't know exactly, obviously, what he said. Presumably, he was arguing about you know the last play, but um, you know it could have been arguing about the Connaughton foul, whatever. Um, but I, you know, there there have been certainly we've talked about some games like the end of the Suns game where I felt like, man, the the refs like just missed really obvious calls um, that that hurt the Bucks. In this game, I mean, you know, if you ask me what what is the cause of death uh you know if the coroner looked at that bucks loss and what what caused it i would say you know emmanuel moutier and damian dotson and company just refusing to miss anything uh was far more correlated with the bucks loss than you know bad foul calls um so yeah i mean uh i don't know i think it's sort of much ado about nothing um and i'm i'm happy to just kind of move on from this especially because it's like Hazonia is not like you know, it's not like this is a war of words with like Joel Embiid or somebody who is particularly relevant. So, um, or even a guy who really, you know, generally matches up with Giannis. So it's, it's just sort of a weird distraction, I would say. So, um, I guess I've, I've talked about a weird distraction that I don't think should be talked about now for <laughs> a few minutes. So I'll, I'll just step back, back away from it at this point. You won't step over it. You'll step back from it. That's what you're saying. I will step back. I'll, I will do the Homer Simpson backing into the <laughs> uh, into the hedges again thing. Yeah, no, I, I thought it, it's just kind of funny. Like I had a bunch of people tweet at me like, oh, man, his own is going to get it on Christmas Day. And it's like, is his own even going to be in the rotation on Christmas Day? Like it, he might not be like he, he may legitimately not play uh, with the way that Fizdale has been, you know, kind of cycling guys in and out of his rotation like okay maybe those will be Damian Dotson's minutes and Hazonia won't play or maybe Frank Nilekina will be back in the rotation and uh that'll bump Hazonia out like who knows what could happen but uh yeah I, I would agree with you this isn't this isn't the start of some rivalry this is the start of a bench player taking his one moment uh in in getting literally as much as he could out of it. And, uh, you know, obviously his own post postgame comments about no fear playing in New York, or I don't even know what, what that was all about. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, but 
yeah, like that's always been his ownest thing. Like he's always kind of been that guy. And I think that's probably part of the reason why everyone wanted to like see him succeed at first when he got to the league, because he was just so damn cocky and so much fun. And that he was dapping up coaches after hitting threes and like Euro competition. Like he was just, he was crazy. Uh, like it, just for, for the confidence that that man had, um, it was, it was ridiculous, but yeah, you look at this, Giannis took care of his business on the floor. He immediately embarrassed Hazonia uh, pretty much immediately after uh, Hazonia decided to step over him. Uh, Giannis was going for a chase down block. He could have just let it go and not actually tried to chase him down. And, you know, like we all know, that's just not how how Giannis is wired. Uh, so he could have done that. And instead he did and he got tripped up and he fell and um, like, there was nothing more from his own year the rest of that game. Giannis dominated it. He didn't. Um, so yeah, that was that was pretty much it. Um, I'm trying to think. Anything else from the weekend? Anything else you're thinking about with the defense? Um, I know, like I said, in talking to Mike Budenholzer, um, the one thing that I found interesting that he said, um, and I mentioned it a little bit last night, was that he said that he was he's been really happy with how good the big guys have played and you know how much they've been able to kind of lean on them and rely on them to get coverages right. And, you know, as we, as we talked with people uh, a little bit, it was just like, man, um, you, you look at, you look at like the personnel that they have and it's like, okay, maybe that's not great uh, to bring Brooke Lopez out further and Ersani de Silva. And, um, you know, every time we, so today I I'd brought it up to Brooke Lopez a little bit and I was just like, Hey, but had mentioned thinking about leaning on you guys a little bit more. And, you know, I, I'm curious, he mentioned that in regards to your three point defense, like, does that mean, you know, what does that mean to you? Like, how does that mean you guys are going to try to change things up? And he goes, well, you know, we have guys like Thon, we have guys like Giannis, you know, guys like Hook, and he's injured right now. But, you know, you have all those guys, they can do such interesting things where they can really get out there, they can recover to different guys, and, you know, they can get stretched out a little bit further. So, you know, maybe we can lean on them a little bit more. And in my head, I was like, so not you. Um, like, that's not something... Bud's thinking about doing it with you. Maybe that's with other guys, but it was just interesting to think through Bud's uh, Bud's interaction with us, talking about leaning on the bigs and how they might be able to help deter teams from shooting threes a little bit, and then uh, all of a sudden thinking through like what Brook Lopez said, and it's like, okay, those two things aren't the same, but you know, maybe there's some truth in there. So, um, what do you think about? kind of trying to react to what has gone on lately with shooting threes, because uh, the other day I, I asked Mike Boonholzer about it and said, you know, when I analyze the game, I look at it and say, that was a statistical outlier. Like let's pack it up. Let's move on. And that's that. And he's like, Oh yeah, there is some of that and proceeded to list off just how well Dotson and Moutier and Vonley shot and Kevin Knox. He mentioned all three, all four of those guys and got all their statistics exactly right. So he's certainly obsessed over it. Um, like, do you think it's a good thing to, you know, start changing things up and uh, trying to start, you know, chipping away at that high number of threes from other teams? Um, I think, well, I mean, in general, I, we've we talked the other night about some you know the scenarios where like the 
zone dropping sort of approach can be exploited, you know, especially against big guys who, who can stretch the floor. And, um, you know, I would say like the Knicks, obviously that was not really the issue against the Knicks. It's not like Ennis Cantor and Mitchell Robinson were shooting threes. I mean, Noah Vonley obviously hit threes, but that was, that was not against like Brooke Lopez, right? That was Giannis, I think, who, who was defending him most of the night. And, um, you know, I mean, to some extent, like, you know, Noah Vonley, I mean, I know he can knock down an open three, but you know, you're not, it's also not like Al Horford doing it to you, which, you know, I think was sort of the, one of the earlier kind of warning signs of the Bucks vulnerability to sort of the pick and pop bigs. And Horford obviously was being defended by um, Lopez, you know, when, when he sort of had that, a lot of the, his big night uh, in Boston. So um, I guess the question is like, you know, really like, well, what, you know, all right, you want to not cut down on threes? Like, what does that mean? And, you know, there are probably a few different things they could do. And, you know, we talked about the, kind of overhelping, overzealous uh, kind of issues that, that aren't necessarily really, you know, directly tied to the pick and roll coverage, um, which, you know, so often we talk about the Bucks and their adjustments just in, in the context of what they do with their pick and roll coverage. But, you know, we talked about um, Thon and Pat Connaughton, you know, being so freaking excited and, you know, <laughs> kind of overhelping. And, you know, Ursan I think, does that too. And, um, you know, again, like – I. I don't know how um, how easy it is to sort of make people change sort of their basic instincts around things like that. I mean, I think we often talk about pick and roll coverage. It's because, you know, there are only so many ways to, to cover a pick and roll. And um, since so much of offense starts with that um, and it kind of creates a chain reaction, um, that that's often, you know, a thing you, where you do see in-game adjustments. So, um, you know, I mean, as we've talked about since even before Mike Budenholzer was hired, um, I think you know, we have both looked at being able to switch more liberally on defense as something that could be potentially very valuable, especially in the playoffs against teams like Toronto and, and Boston, who, um, you know, can create problems in pick and roll, uh, especially, you know, with the Bucks, um, potential vulnerability against, against pick and pop big. So I guess it really kind of depends, you know, what, what they are planning on doing. I mean, if they want to be a little more stay at home, um, you know, in theory, uh, yeah, if you can just defend guys better without needing help, okay. <laughs> um, but that's also been part of the reason why, you know, your your defense in the paint has been really good. And, you know, so, the, you know, the, there's always always a potential of kind of the whack-a-mole problem. So I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what sort of happens. You know, I think we've seen the Bucks, um, you know, show willingness to do switching at times, especially late in games um, where, you know, when they have the ability to, you know, especially if they, you know, like we saw in New York where they had basically Giannis and a bunch of pretty interchangeable wings on the court. Um, those are situations where you can switch pretty easily. Um, you can do that less easily when you've got Brooke Lopez starting. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see kind of what they do. I would be very content if they just got back to winning a lot of games and playing really good defense, <laughs> playing their kind of vanilla stuff. But, um, you know, I think it's always about finding that balance between, you know, how do you avoid overcomplicating things and creating a, you know, entirely new, um, you know, game plan that is going to confuse people game to game um, versus, you know, being too rigid and, and too sort of, you know, stubborn and just sticking with, you know, your one way of playing. And, you know, this is, this is why Mike Budenholzer has paid a lot of money to be an NBA head coach to kind of figure out the best way to do that. Obviously, ultimately, we'll see with the, you know, whether the process can get the results we want. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that is, to me, that's a really good point because I don't know that I expected Bud to be as malleable as he is with his strategies. Like, uh, I I don't want to try to oversell this, but like, I was straight up shocked when they switched everything against the Hornets. Like, I I just didn't think I would see that. And if I did think I I was going to see it, it was going to be in, you know, kind of desperation time in the playoffs. So to kind of see that already was kind of in some ways eye opening to me. But then also it made me think like, oh, the, you know, the tilt on the axis of the universe is a little bit off right now because Mike Boonholzer is really like deviating from his system about 20 games into the season. Like I wasn't quite ready for that so um you know how extreme do do those changes get but like you did a good job pointing out there there there's always going to be a problem and you know to to take care of one problem you're going to probably create another one and you know is that problem you're creating better or worse than the one that you're already facing so i'm really curious like you said this is the first time that they've had significant time off in between games uh, to have, you know, three days in between a game and then two days where you can actually practice. Like I'd be very curious if they changed some things around, if they tried to um, try to make some changes defensively. I mean, I think it'd be very, uh, to me, it'd be somewhat surprising, but also maybe, maybe not with what Mike Boonholzer has done thus far. So we'll have to see uh, what happens there. All right, let's, uh, Let's preview this this game against the Pistons, unless there's anything else you want to talk about before that. But I I will say, after doing a podcast by myself and another one after the game, I am I'm just about all talked out on Bucks Knicks. So, uh, do you have anything else there, or do you want to preview the the Pistons? Aren't you excited to get them twice in two days on the 25th and 27th? I think we'll be on. I think we'll be all nicked out for. Well, we are. That'll be the end of it. The season Caesar series. So. Um, I'm I'm happy to be putting the Knicks in the rear view pretty soon. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to the Pistons. Uh, the Pistons on the season, uh, thirteen and eight, so just a, a little bit behind the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, the Bucks are fifty and seven. Pistons are just a little bit behind them. Uh, and I mean, if they win that game, they would move to fourteen and eight. Bucks would move to fifteen and eight, and you know it would just be kind of mere percentage points away. So this Pistons seems a little bit closer than I think most people would have guessed they would be. Uh, and then, you know, when you look at them, you see Blake Griffin, uh, you see Andre Drummond. I think being pretty much what what he had been before uh, last year where he all of a sudden he had that like kind of a little bit of run of good assist numbers uh, that has kind of come back down to earth. Um, and then after that, you know, like there's, there's some guys that, that you probably know and uh, some, some old friends in Ish Smith and uh, Zaza Pachulia uh, and John Luer. Uh I guess technically Henry Ellenson is, kind of an old friend since he played a Marquette. Uh, so there's a number of guys uh, that, that you've seen before in Bucks jerseys. And then I guess Big Dog Jr. Uh, is on the roster. So technically another uh, kind of old friend. But this is a team that, I mean, I think in some ways kind of kind of beat my expectations. Uh, they've been better than I thought they'd be thus far. Um, what are you seeing with this Pistons team? Yeah, I, I think um, with Dwayne Casey coming over, it looked like a team that, you know, I, I figured, eh, I don't know, it felt like kind of a 500 type team to me. Um, 
so far they have a, a point differential of, of plus 1.7 uh, in terms of net rating. So, you know, their expected one loss um, is not as good as their actual win loss. They're expected about 11 and 7 team and they're 13 and, or sorry, 11 and, uh, no, 11 and 10, I guess. Yeah. Um, whereas they are 13 and 8. So, um, you know, probably closer to, to, you know, average than, than maybe their record might suggest. Um, and, you know, you kind of look at them, their, their offense is kind of as, as bad as it has been in terms of, you know, overall ranking their 21st in offense via cleaning the glass. Um, but their defense has rebounded a little bit. Um, they're sixth in defense per cleaning the glass. Uh, and, you know, they don't shouts do to Sean Sweeney. Shouts to Sean Sweeney. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and really the only kind of elite thing they do um, defensively is, is defensive rebounding. They're second in defensive rebounding. So um, will be an interesting test. Uh, the, uh, Pistons are also six in offensive rebounds, um, which you know is not surprising given what Andre Drummond um, is uh, is capable of doing. So um, you know they're they're an interesting team. They also um, this is the third straight year that they've been top two in limiting frequency of opponent shots at the rim. Um, they're second behind only the Bucks there, and they've also actually been um, very good at uh, limiting. Um, three-point shots they're eighth in frequency of three-point shots and they're actually uh 30th in terms of all mid-range shots so um they've got a very 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 nice shot chart uh they also have the best opponent three-point defense figure right now um just 31.1 percent which obviously i'll go ahead and say there's a whole lot of luck in that um so you know we'll see uh, the bucks if they can take advantage of all those wide open threes that they've been missing of late. Um, but that's kind of the irony given, you know, especially with Sean Sweeney there, given Sweeney's defenses in uh, Milwaukee were notoriously awful in terms of um, <laughs> the math of where they pretty were. much all of those things that you just mentioned. Yeah. We're sort of the opposite. So basically it became opposite season um, in Detroit. So, um, you know, some fundamentals there, obviously that you would have to feel pretty good about in terms of where the Pistons allow shots. And um, obviously, you know, the three point, shooting um is is uh you know maybe not sustainable um they're also the worst team in the league in terms of um opponent shot percentage at the rim the almost opponents shooting almost 70 percent at the rim so even though they don't give up many shots they are horrible at it the bucks are sort of the opposite they uh well they're the opposite in terms of they are best in the league in terms of opponent percentage at the rim um and obviously you know as we said they're they're similar they're even better uh, in terms of the frequency numbers. So kind of some interesting trends there. And, you know, we'll be interesting to see uh, with Giannis, obviously being the guy that, you know, is the engine of the Bucks, um, kind of paint points. Obviously, we know Bledsoe uh, as well gets to the rim a fair bit, like, you know, against a team that has been good at limiting those types of shots. We'll be interested to see, you know, what they do to sort of slow Giannis down. Do they, you know, kind of um, basically throw a lot of bodies at him the way, you know, uh, Charlotte has done or, or how they handle it. Obviously, uh, unlike Charlotte, uh, this is a team that that has you know basically two sort of potential All Star big guys in in Blake and uh, and Drummond. So you won't expect to see um, you know uh, too many small lineups from from the Pistons. And um, you know I think a lot of it will be interesting to see just you know Blake shooting threes. He shot you know threes pretty well. Um, really, you know, he's, he's been become a reasonable threat that in the last couple of years. And, um, you know, I, I imagine the way Giannis has played against fours who shoot threes, um, Blake will get, 
reasonable looks at threes and Giannis will probably be fine giving some of those up. Um, but the flip side, the good news obviously with Drummond on the court is that Brooke Lopez is not going to have to worry about picking pops from the opposing center. So um, Drummond, obviously a pretty unique player uh, in kind of some of the things that he's able to do. Uh, he will certainly be on his own, even a bit, a good test of the box defensive rebounding, which has been great so far. Um, but uh, not worried about his shooting and uh, all of his improvement as a free throw shooter seemed to have gone out the window with last year kind of made some nice strides and this year he's back down to 47%. So um, yeah, I don't, I mean, the first is kind of a weird team. I don't think you know anybody would confuse them for, um, you know, being a team that is kind of demonstrably on the rise. Um, they're just, I don't know. I feel like they're just kind of there, you know, like Blake's obviously towards the tail end or, or perhaps, you know, outside of his prime um, and Drummond. I, I don't know how well Drummond and, and Blake fit. You mentioned the, playmaking that Drummond was doing before Blake got there. Uh, and, you know, sure enough, probably a, a concerning sign for them. I mean, the, their two most used lineups, uh, actually their three most used lineups all have negative net differentials. Um, so that's that's not good. Um, the most used lineup of Reggie Jackson, Glenn, Glenn Robinson, uh, Reggie Bullock, Blake, and Andre Drummond, minus, almost minus five points per 100. Um, and the second most used lineup is um, Stanley Johnson in for, for Reggie Bullock there. That's minus two points per 100. Um, put in Langston Galloway at the two, and you go down to minus nine points per 100. So um, this is a team that, you know, you just eyeball those numbers. You'd say, hey, Bucks, maybe you get a good start for a change um, because certainly the strength of their team has not been their, their starters, which is, um, you know, probably not a great sign for them. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe that, that reverses a little bit, but um, one of the kind of interesting statistical quirks of, of their early season success. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, there's a couple of interesting things there. Obviously, you mentioned Drummond going up against the the Bucks, and I just think in the past, there's been games where it's just like, geez, the Bucks have nothing for Andre Drummond, which, you know, th- that can be said a lot of the time uh, with him just because he does grab so many uh, rebounds. But, you know, the Bucks were struggling to stop him. And then all of a sudden last year, it was they can't stop him from creating offense. And it was just like, what? Andre Drummond, you, you can't stop playmaking Andre Drummond. And, you know, there was just two games. The Bucks lost both both games in Detroit last year. And uh, in, I think, the final, yeah, in February, uh, end of February, Giannis had like 11 points against him. And it just generally seemed to struggle. And again, this isn't the same Detroit Pistons team as as the one that they were looking at last year. But, um, you know, this this Pistons team for some reason has kind of at least last year kind of gave the Bucks some problems. So uh, I think the Drummond stuff is interesting. And then, uh, you know, when you look at their starting lineups, like there is quite a bit of length there. Uh, Reggie Jackson, uh, Reggie Bullock, big dog jr. Uh, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. Like you have all those guys there. Like that's, that's quite a bit of length. So I'm curious to see, you know, uh, how the Bucks, kind of deal with that and see how, you know, if the ball gets a little bit sticky, if they end up uh, attacking more, like, cause there are some, probably some quickness, quickness advantages there for the bucks. But also I think that this is a game that, you know, Brogdon could be a little susceptible to over dribbling. This could be a game where Chris Middleton uh, isn't finding a lot of gaps. So I'm curious to see kind of what happens there, but you know, overall this is a team that, you know, I think, uh, 
just about everyone should feel pretty confident that the Bucks are going to beat. Like the, the Pistons, uh, Looking at basketball reference numbers, I think ninth in defensive rating, 21st in offensive rating. Uh, the Bucks are a lead on both sides, uh, so they should end up winning this game. And um, I don't know that anything uh, changes too much for for the Bucks, even with uh, the Pistons being 13 and eight. Like you know, you you see an opponent coming up for the Bucks, and you think most of the time that they should beat them. That's not going to be true against the Warriors and against the Raptors, but. Um, you know, I think just about anyone outside of like the East and West elite, like you look at them and you say, well, the Bucks should beat them. And I think that's the that's the exact same way with the Pistons. And and we'll see if they'll be able to do it. Uh, Blake Griffin, obviously having uh, a pretty strong year, uh, kind of doing some playmaking. He's got a 24.6 points per game, 9.2 rebounds per game, five assists per game. So uh, just kind of doing some stuff and as a three point shooter, he's now shooting 36% from three. Um, so he's having a good season and I think we'll just have to kind of wait and see. But, uh, if you look at their lineup, like Giannis should see plenty of time on him. So, uh, I think you will get some Giannis Blake matchups and I think for the bucks, that's a, a pretty clear advantage when Blake is trying to cover Giannis. And I think it should probably be the same way on the defensive end. Like you, I don't know that Blake should really have a great night beating Giannis off the dribble or anything like that, which is something that he does to, to a lot of the leagues for us. So uh, we will see what happens there. Anything else on the Pistons? Otherwise I think we can wrap this baby up, wrap it up. All right. That is going to be it for us for tonight on lockdown bucks. We'll break down the Pistons game for you tomorrow night. Bucks Pistons at Pfizer form seven o'clock tip. Uh, I say seven o'clock tip because there's going to be some weird ones this weekend. Bucks warriors is an eight 30 tip, which uh. Uh, man, that's going to be a rough one. Uh, uh, and that bucks Raptors, I think is a five o'clock central tip, um, on uh, Sunday. So some weird tips coming up, but seven o'clock yeah. tip, uh, for bucks Pistons, uh, coming up here tomorrow night. So we'll have the recap for you after that one. So for Frank, man, I'm Eric babe. This has been locked on bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.